out. It looks like the clock is about to strike midnight on this Cinderella story. It's uh, refreshing, yet uh, displeasing to the eye. Somebody has run out on the field. Some goofball in a hat and a red shirt. Now he takes off the shirt. It's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for him. In the dying seconds! Unbelievable! They wouldn't say die! That just shows that they didn't come to play. They really come to play here at the MCG tonight. Welcome to another week of They Came to Play. It was the first weekend of finals and one of the best weekends of finals footy in living memory, unless you're a Bulldogs fan or a Richmond fan, which is why I'm so happy today. Hello, Danny McGinley. (sighs) He's not happy. Let's check in with Tess Armstrong. Hello, Tess. (laughs) It's going to be a long podcast as I celebrate Uh, the round. I can only communicate in vowels. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Danny, when you were coming back on the weekend, I thought, gee, are they going to do it? Are they going to get there? Yep. Man, it was – I feel like I lost twice. That was the most horrible thing. Like it's just before three-quarter time – I said to uh, my, I said to my son, "Nah, we can't win from here. Nah, it's all over. Abandon hope, all ye." And so I just sat there, kind of stewing, just you know, grieving, uh, you know, chatting in the WhatsApp groups, texting a few bulldogs mates, lamenting things, mm. and then you know, we come back. Hope. I don't want hope. Stop it. Just don't do this. You, this is, you two were texting me and I believe I just actually said in our little group chat, just don't. And then, and then we lost again. So I had two season ending losses in within an hour. It was, I can see why Shawshank Redemption is every footy player's favorite movie because I just kept thinking of Morgan Freeman saying, hope can kill a man. Hope is a dangerous thing. <laughs> Uh, well, but didn't you get some joy out of the comeback? Does that compensate for any of that? No, it's actually way worse because it means we can uh, paper over the cracks. Uh, we can say, oh, we were just so close. Oh, well, onwards and upwards, we'll get them next year. And it's like, no, nah, I want – it would have been better to have an embarrassing defeat so, you know, people are really fired up and, you know, we, we make some changes. I but- might say you had one of those last year and you didn't make a lot of changes, so I'm not sure which <laughs> one is better. <laughs> Yeah. And well, let's let's reflect on a few embarrassing defeats. Uh, <laughs> Melbourne getting knocked out of the finals a couple of years ago by the West Coast Eagles. Oh. No, they made no changes there. Uh, <laughs> so, 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 it's Danny, mind nice. you, Danny McGinley, uh, yeah. you got your team off very early, in my opinion. I, I actually did send a text back saying, "Why would you give up hope? You're still in it." Mm-hmm. I was just trying to. I was. Uh, I was trying to entice the uh, the Moz gods because I know the Moz hates St Kilda, so I was trying to just urge them on <laughs> to uh, do their bloody job. <laughs> and so, Danny, while, while we've got you fired up, if yeah. if you were in charge, let's say Amit Baines stands down and uh, Peter Gordon, they stand down for a couple of days and they put yeah. you in as president and CEO, Great. Uh, what, what changes do you make at the Western well, Bulls? First of all, I would uh, absolutely seize that opportunity to change our name back to our proper name and we would be called Footscray Football Club. Right. Uh, yeah, you know, that's something that's just eats away at me with such a terrible name. <laughs> so many people think we're a Perth team. 
We're, like people who are new to Australia come in, they go, I won't support the dogs because I want to support a Melbourne team. It's just so annoying. Um, what I would do is I would bring in a more mature assistant coach. We have had the same assistant coaches oh. for for all of Bevo's um, tenure, and I think we need some fresh ideas or some wisdom, uh, someone like a Lee Matthews, just to come in and sort oh. of a, a coaching advisory sort of uh, thing. Right. Yeah. Yep. Interesting. Why are you? What's wrong with your assistant coaches? Are they all when when the Bulldogs hired six Oz kickers as assistant coaches? I did. Yeah, but hey, we have the best uh, oranges cut up uh, for yeah. quarter time. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. And the uh, yeah the post match celebrations with the uh, poor patrol figurines. Um, <laughs> and look, it's really it was really exciting that uh, Bont got the McDonald's voucher for being best on ground. <laughs> That's right. And, you know, to see the guys in the team bus stopping at the McDonald's playground uh, next to the Maccas, what a, what a wonderful treat. Do you, think, do you think the Bont would get the Happy Meal that has fruit in it or do you get the fun one with actual oh, stuff in yeah, it? Of course he would. Yeah, yeah he would. Absolutely. Yeah. And a bottle of water. Fruit, a yeah. bottle of water, and a toy. Lame. Yep. <laughs> and he wouldn't get fries either. Nah. He just health nah. all the way. He's a temple. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so- it, yeah, so I just think we need uh, some, yeah, because we've had the same assistant coach. And, you know, normally there's a lot of turnover in assistant coaches at footy clubs. So I'm just surprised that given we've uh, been stagnating uh since we, I guess we can, I hate to say it, but, you know, officially we can say we Bradbreed it. Um, it's, it's surprising. I think we, yeah, some fresh coaching blood would be good. And uh, bring in, so we need, do you know what we need? Um, we need our assholes back. We have, uh, Bevo just has this, uh, just keeps hiring nice kids. You know, Bont is so lovely. You know, they're all such delightful young men. We needed a Dalhouse Jake Stringer. Libba is the only arsehole we've kept, and only because you can't get rid of a Libba from from Witten Oval. Mm, we just yeah. need, and he's the only one out there fighting and scratching, and we just need some pricks. Uh, now, Danny, did, you, did I just hear you say that you Bradbury'd it in 2016? It's looking that way, isn't so it? So you're saying that in 2016 the Bulldogs were not the best team, they just got lucky? Uh, no, Bradbury is a verb meaning to be awesome uh, for a very short <laughs> period of time. I think. I'll just check. I'll, I'll just check my dic- dictionary. Mm, you should I check. I think Bradbury is where all the better teams are. All over. Literally all over. Yeah. And then the worst team well, comes in and takes the glory. Either either I say it's that or I just say it's because our banners were awesome. So which which how egotistical do you want me to be? Yeah. <laughs> oh no, I'm happy for you to go either way. All right, they need to bring me back. As soon as the, the crate paper gags are there, we will be back on that premiership dice. <laughs> uh so what about some per- so personnel changes? You're just saying bring in some tough guys. Uh yep. Or, or just take the the guys we've got and and just harden them up a little. Like maybe do maybe tie them down in a cinema a Clockwork Orange style and and show oh, them some yeah. uh, show them some Rocky movies. Or just a bit of old footage of you know um, you know EJ Witten, Dougie yeah. Hawkins. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 Who was your uh, Who was the long haired guy that went and lived in Egypt? Uh, oh, Danny Southern. Danny, Danny Southern. Southern. Yeah. You know, 
you know what they should, actually, maybe, you know, be, you know, they say that we, you know, footy clubs are always trying new things. Has anyone tried to hold a seance at Witten Oval and get the ghost of EJ to come back and give a pre-match speech? Well, that would be one hell of a pre-match address. It kind of sounds yeah. like the sort of thing Malcolm Blight would have tried to do at Geelong when he was coaching there. <laughs> could, you ima- could you imagine John Edward standing there <laughs> passing on the message? I'm getting a number, a number six, a number six. I'm getting a number, <laughs> number six. Yeah. Um, and so, what about what about Josh Bruce, Danny? What'd you make? What'd you make of his? What a great first goal! And he <laughs> uh, he grabbed the jumper, and uh, which was good. It annoyed the the Saints fans. I mean, he he also became a dad earlier in the week. So normally you do the rock in the cradle celebration for your your goal after your kid's been oh, born, yeah. but he grabbed the yeah, jumper, and. Uh, yeah, Look, Josh is very much the whipping boy for um, for the Dogs fans at the moment. It's, uh, Billy Gowers uh, used to be, but now it's all Josh Bruce's fault, apparently. Um, wow. So it's oh, – and, yeah, the fact that we got him from St Kilda, it's, you feel like uh, going back to, you know, the used car dealership and just going, you never told me that this model can't hold on to a mark. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, Luke Darcy struggled to maintain his uh, – impartiality in the, in the uh, commentary box when Josh Bruce gave away that too high free kick on, on about yeah. just inside your 50 right at the end of the game. Yeah. And, what, what did he say? I mean, I was, uh, I was a bit lost in my own thoughts at that moment. You could hear Dar sort of saying, well, that was the final chance for the Bulldogs. Sloppy free kick from Josh Bruce. But you could tell hey, deep we- down he was going, you fucking ruined it, Josh Bruce. <laughs> We just, I mean, St Kilda play a counter-attack style and we just played into their hands over and over. We are the undisputed kings of handballing at one too many times and, and giving the ball away. It's, it was just so frustrating. And oh, it's, uh, so uh, I was uh, texting uh, my very good friend and friend of the show, Tom Boyd, and uh, we're try- we were trying to work out what we're going to do for the summer and we worked out uh, where his uncle in Denmark lives and uh, we have adopted our Danish soccer team. So both uh, Boydie and myself and you guys as well, and indeed all of the They Came to Play people, we yes. now support a club. Uh, how do you reckon I pronounce this? It's V-E-J-L-E. Vejle? What is it? Vejle? V-E-J-L-E. <laughs> well, they're called V, whatever that is. It's a town in Denmark and where his uncle lives. Uh, and then they're Bold Club. So they're actually called VB. Oh, yeah. oh, we can support that. You can get it playing Danish football. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You can get it building yeah. a Lego house. <laughs> I can get it eating delicious chocolate and looking at a beautiful lake. Um, I'm pretty sure I've never actually been to Denmark, but I'm pretty sure that's the vibe. <laughs> uh, yeah. Colourful houses. Colourful yeah. houses, chocolate lakes. Little Mermaid. Lego. Yep. That's all you need to know. Oh, and uh, last night we beat, uh, good news, uh, Valia VB uh, beat OB 1-0. Ah, what a a great weekend. (laughs) Well done, Danny. 87th minute goal by Mads Grave. Good assist by Diego Montiel. Well done. (laughs) I I feel like that two minutes of therapy is enough for you, Danny. Let's move on to St. How good Thanks. Uh, Tess, how was how how was the excitement in your house with uh, the Going off, my nephew had um, a fake 
He's three, four now. He had a fake St Kilda tattoo on and it suited him a little bit too well, I might say. We were like, oh, he's going to end up as a Dusty Martin character. And he was swinging his arms around, singing the song, carrying on, and Dad was absolutely stoked. And my brother has been trolling me for, you know, how does it feel to be going out in straight sets? I mean, it's all going to be a big, great week for the Armstrong family. But um, it was just so exciting. Like they desperately deserve some happiness in their life, as I've said all year. And Brett Radden is just the most charismatic, down-to-earth, genuine man that you just Mm. want good things to happen to him. And it's impossible not to be happy for them. And I was so... I cried when Paddy Ryder cried, which, you know, says a lot about me. I am pregnant and quite emotional. But I also, he just looked so devastated and he was amazing. Like he's been playing the best footy of his career. I thought that sucks. And then Jake Carlisle is leaving to have his baby in, Mm. well, he's not having the baby. That would be amazing if he was playing up until he had gave birth. But he's coming home. Incredible. Well, let's uh, let's talk about these Saints issues one at a time. Firstly, Paddy Ryder. Yeah. In percentage terms, how much joy was lost by seeing him on? Because mm. I was thinking about if you're a St Kilda fan, you'd be happy that you won, but you'd be looking at him injured just going, well, we're no chance next week without him. Well, it's interesting because we are also missing a ruck because Ivan Soldo is out for the season. So we're on one ruck. They'll be on one rack, I guess, with Rowan Marshall and someone else coming in to kind of help him out. But it's Paddy Ryder is obviously a very special player, so it does um, it does make a big difference. But it's not as though they're coming in to play Nick Nat Nui. Do you know what I mean? Like we're also missing our best rack. I and feel like we've been working on this sort of <laughs> defence of St Kilda's out for a day now, so you've got <laughs> you've got it all beautifully prepared. <laughs> the counter argument somehow paint Richmond as the underdogs this week. <laughs> we're not cool. riding cool. we're not riding the emotional roller coaster and high and I always you know that I think that's like seventy percent of why a team ever wins the grand final is because right. of the emotion and they have it and we don't at the moment. And so that's a big factor. Jake Carlisle is a real um I don't know how to feel about that as an out because I don't think he's been like the best form this year really. Mm. But then we also may get Tom Lynch back, but there's no super guarantee we get Tom Lynch back, in which case that would be, you know, a a moot point because... I suspect, Tess, if you spoke to St Kilda fans, of which you know many, (laughs) I suspect they'd prefer Jake Carlisle to play. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm just saying. Also... Ben Long has been uh, rubbed out for a week, which they yeah. which St Kilda are, of course, going to the tribunal to try and yeah. over. Because why wouldn't you? Um, yeah. But he's should have got like, three. I think he'd. Be, <laughs> I also think he'd be quite an important player to have in their team because my yeah. team has lost their cool in terms of being able to deal with Nicholas. So, like when Zorko was going at our team, we just were like giving away fifty meter penalties, like willy-nilly and so I feel like they need to have an aggressor in their team and Mm. so he would be quite an important person for them to get back but if Dan Butler which I think he will kicks like 100 amazing freaky goals against Richmond which I'm sure that he will because that's what he did the first time we played them um I think I think it's gonna be (laughs) I think it's gonna be close guys now you are gonna (laughs) ruin the dreams of St. Peter fans and win this fight at least 10 goals. Tom Lynch will kick eight. 
Jack Rewald six. Uh, and everyone will go, well, wasn't that nice for St Kilda for a week? I will say, you know how they say gamble, gamble responsibly, right, which I don't often do, and I gambled my future child's um, football team on when we played Geelong with my husband. Good, we won, hurrah. So luckily because um, we fell out of form after that. But my family are now trying to goad me into more bets like um, my dad is like, why you have to call your child Paul or Paulina if St Kilda win. And then I tried to convince him that he would have to get a dusty haircut and a sleeve tattoo uh, if Richmond win, which I don't really want to go through with because, you know, I'm not sure. I have to like Zoom call, you know, put my fingers, cross my fingers behind my back or something like that. But I'm a real risk to enter a bit this week that I can't come back from so if anyone's got some advice and you are a recovered gambler you can help out a green person like me who's really not got got what it takes um i'm open for it because well tess it's such a moot point considering your your unborn child is already a member of the bulldogs so (laughs) and i think little uh little little uh little bonty uh is gonna (laughs) really enjoy coming to the footy with uncle danny <laughs> and um, Tess, I think the safest, my gambling advice for you this week, and just the safest bet for you, would be to remortgage your house and put it all on Richmond. To, <laughs> to win the flag. To win the flag, not just this week. I'd go this week into the prelim, into the flag. Uh, that'll at least give you some semblance of a juicy. Well, order. not too much, though, Limo, because let's not forget that Richmond are. Uh, Undisputed flag favourites. Yeah, oh, they, well, they have been since round one. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, yeah. Yeah. The only thing that's changed is their favouritism, which has just continued to creep in all year. Shut your faces. Now, let's move on to other. T- <laughs> yeah. hey, and also, we should just mention that at the end of this podcast, there, Danny recorded a chat with Francis Leach uh, and his son, Dylan Leach. Now, Francis, of course, Mad St. Kilda fan. Dylan, for some reason, which I assume. Danny will be disclosed in your chat with them. Uh, yeah, 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 we do discuss that and uh, we discuss how they're going to watch the games together. And, uh, yeah, they're just uh, they're two good, good, passionate footy fans who have had polar opposites of, uh, of success and happiness. So, yeah, it's a, it's a great chat. We'll put that at the end. Uh, I'm uh, looking forward to hearing that one. Uh, all right, well, let's uh, go on to some other games then, oh, shall we, uh, from the weekend. Should we just start on... Um, Thursday night, which yeah. just brought me just so much joy. God, I loved it so much more than I thought I would. Um, uh, Geelong, the inaccuracy of Geelong brought me so much joy. Uh, just that forwards not being able to get it together, together made me so happy. And Port performing like that in front of their home crowd, just, every, just that Thursday night ticked every box for me. Yeah. Just made me very, very happy. <laughs> Yeah, it was. It was. Do you know? What? I, I got. I actually got goosebumps watching the uh, Never Tear Us Apart. Just seeing a full house at Adelaide Oval, getting that song together. We, you know, we'd yeah. been starved of footy for a week. It was just so damn exciting. It was. It was great. And how pol- lovely are Geelong fans when Charlie Dixon uh, fell over the fence and and sat with them, and they all just gave him a, a lovely little pat. There. Can you imagine if that if that had been at Victoria Park about twenty you know thirty years ago, and a, and a <laughs> opposition player fell into the crowd? They, they'd be dead. 
Or I might say a, a Geelong a Geelong player falling over into the board crowd. Like lucky it was a board oh, yeah. player falling over. Oh. It was so funny. That was such a comical moment. He looked so surprised to have found himself in the chair that I just re I just rewound and watched that over and over again. It was hilarious. Did he breach any social distancing rules? <laughs> yes, being so yes. he was touched by multiple members of the public. But Yes, he did. Definitely, definitely. He was touched by, you know, multiple randos. Any one of them. Will he be fined for that? No, I wouldn't have thought so. I wouldn't have thought he did it deliberately because I think it was Zach Tui's fault. I think Zach Tui's plan was to undermine Port's run at the flag by getting Charlie Dixon with coronavirus, which is a long game (laughs) that was a risky move, but I think he nearly pulled it off. It was just so fun. Like, they, they played so well. Tom Rockcliffe, friend of the show, who's a legend, he played out of his skin. All yeah. of court just played so so well. Their young ones were awesome. I mean, there was a Stephen Motlock. Like he's like one of those ones that gets younger as he gets older. Like he's playing like a freak against his old side, which yeah. you wouldn't have imagined that he could do. There was that horrible moment where Xavier Dersmer was like completely knocked out, which is a real bummer for them because um, I guess if he's got concussion, he'll only miss one week, which means that. They'll miss the week they've got off anyway. So maybe he'll come back for the prelim. But that was like a terrifying moment. But it just had all of these ups and downs. And Tom Hawkins, like watching his form and wondering if he was ever going to play himself into form. Like you're not sure if he's going to yeah. come back. And then my favourite bit, Ken Hinckley trying to remain his cool. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then gets down to the ground and lets out the biggest like fist pump you've ever seen. It was just glorious. Yeah, he did uh, get very excited. Interesting fact about the weekend is that the four premiership winning coaches were defeated by four coaches who haven't won a flag before. Oh, great stat, Limo. Well done. Yeah, Yeah, Um, that's that's fun, I reckon. And it actually makes sense for this year. They were saying, you know, since 2013, I think that every team has won a final except for Erstenden and also Gold Coast who have never made the finals. But since... I mean, I hate to say it, since we went down the equalisation path, I think it might have worked. Anyway, so it was kind of great. Like when you think about Port and like during that period of time where they could hardly keep their club afloat and now they've really come back when no one expected them to do well this year and they've finished on top and they've just been pacing themselves. They took some real risks getting rid of some older players that people were quite uh, judgmental about and really going young, and it's just worked for them. I'm just like, good for you. It was awesome. Yeah, it has worked. And Tommy Rockcliffe's first, was that his first finals win or was that his first final? Oh, it might have been. Nah, he would have played in that creepy final. I say creepy. I actually meant to say crazy Um, because remember that final that Port played against West Coast? It must have been in 2017 where they went into double-double overtime. Wasn't he already at Port then? Or was he? Did he go the next year? Uh, I've got a feeling he may not have played in that game. I, I laugh because you know how everyone says this is the best weekend of finals ever. Like it was a great weekend of finals. All four of them were good, but people are like, "No, that was the best." The Collingwood game was the best final I've ever seen. I'm like, "Well, there's been pretty good finals. Like there have been good finals. It just hasn't been such a consistent weekend of finals for such a long time." He went to he went to Port in 2018. Wow! Oh well, he probably didn't play any finals with that. I think, I think that was his first ever final. God, he certainly yeah. took his moment. Uh, so uh, good, good on him. And Geelong, Geelong didn't lose by that much. Like they, it was 
it did feel like if they got it together, they could have come back. So, like, for Geelong fans it's going up against Collingwood next week, you would be going in feeling pretty down and out because Collingwood was so good on the weekend and Geelong were just so flat. However, I do think that if Hawkins returns to form and that was Gary Ablett, Gary Ablett was nowhere, Luke Dalhouse was nowhere, their, their midfield and their halfbacks that they need kind of disappeared. But if they came back, then Collingwood would be stuffed. Mm. I, I think Geelong fans have got, you know, and it pains me to say this, they've got plenty of reasons to be optimistic going yeah. forward. Totally. I think the things they stuffed up are not that hard to fix. Yes. And I do think, like, Chris Scott, bless your soul, but, like, saying, oh, it's lazy reporting to report on our finals record, but you've got the best home and away record and the worst finals record. It is an issue, and you only get to overcome that when you win finals. That's the only time. Like, you just have to win finals, and then you overcome it. So people can say whatever they want about you. You don't have to say it's lazy for people to report on it, you just have to start winning finals and then people stop reporting on it. Exactly. But that's <laughs> going to be a massive game that we have. You make don't forget, Collingwood beat Geelong last year in the finals, in the qualifier. They beat them by 10 points. So there's a psychological edge for the Magpies next week. That's right. And, and they, I reckon this yeah. weekend there will be probably 95,000, 98,000 at the G to watch that game. So, oh, I'll put there ever. They'll be there, yeah, but be um, then they'll all realise they got the wrong day in the wrong state. But um, also Geelong and, <laughs> Geelong and Collingwood have just a great history of super close games. So I think it will just be an absolute belter. Like I think all their games have awesome and close and they match up really well against one another and who knows whether Collingwood's win which we'll get to was a kind of backs against the wall no one thinks will win kind of yeah. emotional win um we'll see we'll see um, well good and but good on port uh top of the ladder all year and they um you know they kind of proved it wasn't a fluke by uh, winning that game uh now let's go to the next game. I can't work out what made me happier, Thursday night or Friday night. But anyway. <laughs> you know, uh, look, we here at They Came to Play since very early in this mm-hmm. season have been cheering for a port. Well, I know I have and I think we all have we been have. cheering for a port Brisbane grand final. Uh, and it seems that we're vaguely headed in that direction. Um, but, gee, where, where did it all go wrong, Tess? Oh, like from the beginning? No, it didn't. We had a good first quarter. We just, um, I think the crowd was amazing, right? The crowd at the Gabba was unbelievable. I remember in 2017 when we were still such um, losers, uh, traditional losers, I wrote down everything that happened in 2017 that felt like we were breaking a hoodoo because we overcame a lot of, you know, teams we hadn't beaten, Richard had a baby, um, a lot of things. Dima Hardwick was coach of the year. All these, Dusty won the Brownlow. All these things happened that we just kind of overcame a whole lot of things that Richmond would never have been able to do in the past. And I think for Brisbane that's what we're seeing because now there's not a team since Chris Fagan took over that they haven't beaten. We were the last one. And so they're overcoming all of these things. They they were they were scarred from when they played us last time where they scored 417, but in the last end, in the back end of the year, they cleaned up their kicking and they were kicking straight. And so I did say, I believe last week, that if they kick straight, that we were a bit stuffed because they we didn't have Tom Lynch, so our forward structure was a bit off. We didn't have a tap in 
Marbiol had come in but after not having played very much football and they weren't sure whether to put him ruck or forward because if you don't put him forward, you don't have anyone. I'm not sure whether or not we should have brought Caddy in to play in the forward line because he's, you know, like a solid, experienced finals player. However, because we had the double chance, we had to play Dion Prestia, who hadn't played in, you know, months and months and months. He has to have a run. Otherwise, yeah. you know, he's our best and fairest from last year. Why would you not give him a go? And so I think that we took some risks with selection that, like, didn't pay off. But then also it was pretty close and, and a lot of things didn't go our way. That Shy Bolton um, <laughs> goal that could have just been the best goal yeah. of all time that wasn't. Oh, how did you deal oh. with that, Tess? Let's let's not let's not gloss over that moment. Let's go through that blow by blow. <laughs> Tell us every thought and feeling you had. I mean, I screamed so loud that if I was later in my pregnancy, I would have given birth. I was so overwhelmed by <laughs> the goal. I just thought, you absolute legend, because last year he did some freaky things at the Gabba in our final then as well. But when I realised it grazed the post, you know when you just know, like, Danny, you knew that your team wasn't going to win at a certain point and I just, things weren't going right for us. We were being so undisciplined. Dusty had gone missing. When Dusty doesn't play well in finals, we were a bit stuffed. And if I had have seen Mason Cox dominating on Sunday before this, I would have known we were stuffed because that was flashbacks to 2018. But it was Charlie Cameron, like, freaky goals. Like, they just, they had a Scottish suitcase. It was absolutely unbelievable and they just... Every one of their people was playing their role so well and not every one of our people was playing our role so well. But I do think, like, this team has brought me unprecedented joy in the last three years when I never would have expected it and I had committed to be a Tiger for life even when we were never going, it looked like we were never going to win a single game for the rest of our, my life. And so I feel like whatever happens now is great, but I do believe that there are special bunch of players and that they will be looking at this as a fun challenge to overcome and so why wouldn't we be able to win the next three for you? A fun yeah. challenge it's not a <laughs> jigsaw puzzle. <laughs> hey Tess do you you're a fan you're a fan of Caroline Wilson aren't you? Love it yeah. Yeah wonderful journalist with some fantastic insights into the game of AFL footy. Well she said on uh, Insiders yesterday that she thought the uh off-field indiscretions of the football club were reflective of the on-field disorganisation and is symptomatic of a bigger problem at your footy club, which Peggy (laughs) O'Neill has denied. Uh, Well, Peggy's not there. I mean, it's harsh because, like, Neil Baum and Peggy, two of the probable best influencers on our club forever, aren't there, and that is a problem in my mind. However, I will say... Like, it is hard when you're expected to win and you have an off night and they get frustrated and that happens to every team and that's just how it is and I'm sure we'll overcome them next week because the last time that happened was when we played Port um, and we lost to them at Adelaide Oval and I think Josh Caddy gave away that (laughs) terrible Mm. 50-metre that kind of completely stuffed us and then we didn't lose again after that and we didn't do things like that after that. And Every team has an off week and we're lucky to have a double chance, so we'll just have to wait and see. And there is an argument. Lima, did you hear what she's she's ultimately saying there? She's glossed over it again, but uh, she said that because Peggy and Neil Barm aren't there, it's like mum and dad uh, gone away (laughs) and the kids are having a party. And Yeah, yeah. It's home alone. And that party involves strippers and kebabs. That is where I heard a whisper that Shy Bolton and Josh Caddy were um, getting late-night kebabs <laughs> after the game on the weekend. As long as they were getting them from the in-house 
COVID safe, COVID safe kebab shop. They can do whatever they want. Um, but, yeah, I, uh, my favourite bit of the night for me as a Tigers fan, which I encourage every Tiger to go back and watch, was the three-quarter time address, watching Liam Baker watch Dimly Hardwick speak to him because he was like, it was like when you fall in love for the first time and you look at your person just with, like, the most angel face. There should have just been a halo around the two of them. He just looked at him with so much love. And I thought, nah, we're having an off night. But I feel... I feel like we'll come back together and it will be actually the thing that they need. And Dusty is someone who loves the challenge and everyone will say, oh, he played so bad, he's got his shit now, and then he'll come back next week and be amazing. And then um, Brisbane were great and good for them. I'm stoked for them. Like I genuinely, I know I sound like I'm being inane, but Cam Rayner, how could you not be happy for that gorgeous face? And like Dane Zorko, I just feel happy for them all. Daniel Rich, I'm just like, oh, good for you. And what about former Hawthorne superstar uh, who could be in line for his um, fifth flag? <laughs> well, maybe. Yeah, that's true. Virtually, he's, he's getting on in years and his body has let him down a bit, but he seems to be in pretty good nick at the moment. I'd love to see him win a fifth premiership. Five grand finals is a crazy concept, isn't it? Like what are you? Also, how incredible is Lucky Neil? Like, no disposals in the first quarter. And I'm getting texts from everyone going, oh, God, you know, lucky. How's that happened? And then just come back, comes back and just is a freak for the rest of the game. It's like if he doesn't win the brown, though, it's just a it's a disgrace. Yeah. <laughs> Unless it's Dusty. <laughs> Unless it's Dusty yeah. because based on his two good games this year. I mean, otherwise, it's a disgrace. Uh, anyway, it is uh, Richmond against a depleted, struggling Injured, lucky Shane Kilda this week. Uh, and it's that- a shame, actually, that the, the Dogs lost because if we'd had the Bulldogs v Tigers semi-final, it would have uh, we it would have given uh, the Dogs a chance to to beat Richmond because we beat Hawthorne this year. Uh, mean, and if we we lost to Richmond, but also Richmond lost to Hawthorne, which means none of us have won the They Came to Play Cup oh. this year. So it actually reverts back to whoever won it last year, which I'll just check. Um, yeah, I think right. Richmond beat Hawthorne. Uh, Footscray beat Hawthorne. Oh, and we beat Richmond as well. Okay, Bulldogs, no. carry over champs we won in the, the Take Home to Play Cup. We won the grand final, which means we won the cup. That's what I'm thinking. It's a three-club uh, competition, Tess. You can't. <laughs> now, just because you beat the hapless giants, it doesn't mean anything. <laughs> yeah, this is, this is like, uh, you know, this is like the FA Cup. It's like a side competition. <laughs> Before we move on, I want to hear from Brisbane people because you're heading into a prelim at home, which is just super fun. Like I'm jealous as hell that I can't be at the Gabba because it just is so loud that it sounds like 100,000 people are there. But who they would rather play at the Gabba in the prelim because I feel like Collingwood really have the wood over Brisbane at the Gabba because Collingwood played quite well there and I do wonder whether or not they'll be um, – Oh God, I would be devastated if Collingwood made the grand final. Anyway, whatever. Aside from that, I mean, just yeah, saying it out loud, yeah. I was like, oh, my God, I've got a bit of spew in my mouth. But if Brisbane fans would rather have to play Collingwood or Geelong, because Geelong also have had good battles with Brisbane, um, but I wonder which one they'd want to come up against. So I'd love to hear from them. Uh, I would rather Geelong go out in straight sets. So <laughs> I'm going to the prize uh, this weekend. 
Um, I do know that uh, I got some uh, texts from uh, Brisbane fans and I even had some uh, cousins who are usually rugby fans went along to the Gabba and enjoyed it. And uh, they, one of my cousins, uh, Dave, is, uh, is a proper uh, Brisbane guy because I got sent... Um, I got sent uh, audio of him uh, singing the song. I wonder if you can just pick up a little bit of uh, of a, just a little ad- adaptation he's made to the song. I'll just see. I hope this uh, can come through. All right, I'm just going to turn this right up. This is the. This is just after the after the game. Here's the song. Did you hear that? Like, yeah, yeah, that was some like, like, like a bloke who's had his fair share of beers. Like what? Yeah, and beers of old? He said, "That's this is the this is how Brisbane he is." He goes, "We will always fight for victory, like the bears and bears of old." Not even acknowledging Fitzroy. Uh, yeah. I miss drunkenly singing the song at the footy. That's fun. Yeah. Anyway, whatever. Damn, damn that pregnancy test. Well, pregnancy yeah. and a pandemic, the double P, it's really it's working against me. Real bummer. The game that everyone thought would be a blowout. Oh, my God. Uh, West Coast, the Eagles and Collingwood. God, I love this game so hard. Uh, I was sitting at home playing Scrabble with my wife, <laughs> of all things, during this game and just loving every bit of it. Um. How, the Eagles were meant to win this by about 10 goals, yeah. weren't they? Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. It was so wild. And, like, to hear the West Coast fans, I mean, it must be so weird. It's an experience we'll never have, but to be a West Coast Eagles fan who at quarter time is booed off, you've won them um, You've won them many flags and in recent years and you have brought them so much joy and then you're booed off at quarter time because you're not performing and then the umpires it didn't go your way for the first time and then the umpires are relentlessly booed for the whole game. I was like, they are so entertaining, West Coast fans, but it must have been devastating because it was just it was not the script. That that was not how it was meant to go. And Collingwood like should not have been able to do that. It was wild. Well and how good was Mason Cox at the start of the game? Oh yeah. Unreal. Is there a way that uh, Collingwood can lose the grand final, not even make it, lose this week, but Mason Cox wins a grand final? That's yeah. what I want. Me too. I want him to have a yeah. fun time and the rest of the team. Like I said at the start, my dream is that Collingwood are not able to score at all and it's 0-0-0 for the whole game and West Coast win, but then they're knocked out next week. And so I was really like taken aback that my dreams weren't coming true. But I would have rather that Mason Cox got every goal and then no one else got any goals because he is so lovable. It is he's yeah. the nicest person and he's so funny as well. And when he was like, also he has very good music choices because he picked the Isley Brothers to play at quarter time. I was like very impressed with his musical choices. Um, but when they when he was up and about, there's no one that can't enjoy that because it's just it happens in in finals only, and it's just amazing. Yeah, it was uh, it was incredible from him. And uh, but I yeah, I'm a bit like you guys as well. I'd love to see him win a flag, but I'm not sure I want Collingwood to get uh, <laughs> that far. But I do want him to win this week. I want him to beat uh, Geelong this week. But they just West Coast just were off all night, weren't they? I just felt like they weren't mm-hmm. quite you know the West Coast that we've come to uh, see over in Perth. 
And did you see Bucks post-match just slamming the lid of the bin <laughs> in the rooms to welcome the boys in? It was, <laughs> it was so fun. And, like, I think in the first quarter it was definitely – so Tim Kelly was – really tagged out of the first quarter by Levi Greenwood, who is just, like, such a weapon in your team. Like, he can just do a number on absolutely anybody. And once Tim Kelly kind of found his way back into the game, they they recovered, but they just were never going to be able to overcome such a terrible first quarter. Like, because, you know, Kai's only won by a point. At the end, you know that last play where the player in the middle, I can't remember who it was, but he could have slowed down when he had time, but he decided to try and take it on and got just absolutely tackle to the ground and it was um they were so close and so like it was an amazing win by Collingwood but West Coast fans like should be heartened that they nearly came back and won but just they were just off like Josh Kennedy was like shanking set shots he never does that and so you just know it's all it's all wrong if Josh Kennedy's doing that let's check in with Danny Beginlay to see how much of a consolation it is to almost come back and win Danny Yeah, I, you'll notice I'm being a bit quiet on this match because uh, this may not surprise you, but I was in no mood to watch any more football after the uh, the earlier match. So I, I've I've watched the highlights and I watched the the last quarter yesterday, but uh, yeah, it's a. Uh, it, it, you're, you're right. It, it didn't match the script. It was like watching a James Bond film, and he gets killed in the first minute of the movie. You're going, hang on. What, so what's this movie all about then? Yeah, it was it was odd. Um, what, what notes did I even uh, have? I did. Uh, I, did I, I can't remember if it was in this game or if it was in the Lions v Tigers, but you know it's been a low-scoring season when Bruce McAvaney is really excited that someone's kicked a three-goal bag. Yeah, and three goals is not a bag. He's got three. It's amazing. It's not. It's not soccer, Bruce. Yeah. <laughs> um, but there were four. There was Cox, Darling, Kennedy, Mychek all kicked three goals each. It's raining oh, goals. Yeah. <laughs> it's raining goals at Perth Stadium. It was um, it was amazing. It was one of the most epic finals. And we should uh, genuinely acknowledge uh, Nathan Buckley has done some amazing coaching because Collingwood lost the prelim last year by less than a goal. They lost the grand final the year before by less than a goal. That is, they would be psychologically broken after those. Like they, I actually tip Collingwood to miss finals, sort of be like GWS and just not be able yeah. to um, motivate themselves. So to them, for them to make finals and win an unwinnable final, like Nathan Buckley is really proving himself as one of the great coaches of this century. Mm. Uh, that That is a big call. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'll stand by it. When he wins what a flag, he will be one of the flag, great reckon, You arrogant pricks. Come on. How, what does the guy have to do? Win a flag. Oh, win a flag. I know what you're going to say. Yeah, okay. <laughs> He's got to win a flag. Uh, so, you know, uh, Alistair Clarkson has never been voted coach of the year. How does that work? <laughs> There is not one Hawthorne fan. You can be like, hey, what do you guys want to have for dinner? And they're like, well, before I get there, Alistair Clarkson has never won Coach of the Year. I go, all right, hey, do you guys want to go to the movies? What do you want to see? I want to see Alistair Clarkson win Coach of the Year. Like, sure. (laughs) It's just, it's relentless. It's It's, outrageous. They're just so used to winning everything. I mean, if Clarko finally did get Coach of the Year, they're going to get outraged that, I don't know, uh, uh, Jared Ruffhead's son didn't get a colouring competition first prize. Uh, Also. He's got a daughter, but anyway, it doesn't matter. He was robbed. She was robbed. She was robbed of it. Um, Now, also, the winner of that, I mean, the winner of that game has to play at Brisbane, as we said, but the winner of the other game has to go to Port Adelaide. It does feel like 
we get that they came to play Port Adelaide Brisbane Cup unless another team, maybe mine, hopefully mine, um, ruins everybody's fun time. Uh, I've, got, I've got big news, guys. Oh, I've got yeah. big news regarding the if it is the Port Adelaide Brisbane Grand Final, um, yeah. and this is this is controversial. But I've done some soul searching, and if that happens, I'm going to go for Port. What? You, I'm going to support. I would be going for Port to beat Brisbane. Why in that Grand Final? And, and why is that then? Because it's a better story. 150th year. The coach was like head was on the chopping block to them and then play a grand final in enemy territory and win it. That's a great sporting story. And I love Brisbane and I would love to see them win. I would love, I wouldn't, but you know, it would be great for them to win in front of their home fans. But man, Port is such a good story. Port is a great story, uh, and I do agree with all of that. And the fact they were top of the ladder for the entire season tells you that they deserve it. I'm going to be so torn because I love Ken Hinckley. I love Port. I love what they've been able to do. But Brisbane, like, you know, you say the story of the 150th year, but, like, there's a a once-in-a-lifetime pandemic that means that the grand final is getting played at the Gabba at the same time that Brisbane have come good and actually might be able to win the grand final. Like, that would be something else. At the same time that the Brisbane Broncos are bottom of the NRL. Oh, yeah. For the first time in I don't know how long, but first time in a long time. <laughs> so it's hard for the AFL to expand their hold on uh, Queensland. Yep. Yep. So anyway, I, I'll i be completely torn. But if Richmond are there, obviously not torn. But it's unlikely at this stage. Now, Limo, the year that you won three finals in a row to make yes. it, did that feel like that was going to happen or were you, like, uncertain? Do you remember how you felt? Did you ever feel uncertain that Hawthorne were going to win or is that, like, not a feeling you had? Oh, listen to uh, the lady trying to get her dynasty up. This is the most privileged conversation yeah, yeah. that they came uh, to play has ever had. Hey, just <laughs> talk me through. How do you win a third grand final? Oh, this yeah. is – I'm going gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> to throw up. Uh, Come yeah. back to us in a couple of years, Danny. Excellent. Excellent question, Tess. I'd love to answer it. Um, in the first – in – 2013 and 2014, we got the week off in the finals. Uh, and the prelims were actually pretty tight affairs. But in 2015, remember Hodgie got done drink driving before the final series started? Oh, yeah, great memory, yep. Right? And then we lost the first final to the West Coast Eagles, right? Did Caroline uh, Wilson say that the off-field uh, misdemeanours <laughs> were inherent for the on-field misdemeanours you know and they therefore... That was 100 people did 100% play that at the time. There we go. They said, you shouldn't have played, and there was lots of pressure on the club. Uh, they're going to go out in straight sets. This is the end of an era. Um, then we beat, I bloody the can't Crows. remember. You beat the Crows the next week. Did we? Yeah. So then we beat the Crows. That was back in Adelaide, back, at, back at the G, though. That's right. Yeah. Um, and the and Crows then, weren't – we were supposed to be the Bulldogs, but we'd played them the week before, and that's the game where the Talia brothers leaked the game plan. Oh, that's right. Mm. And it was a really high-scoring game too from memory. I think both teams got over 100 points, which was a rarity mm, right. in that particular season. And then mm. – uh, so at that point, when after we lost the West Coast test, where everyone thought, well, we can't win it. It's too hard to go straight through now to play four weeks in a row because we'd had the week off in the previous years. But then we beat the Crows and then we went back to Perth to play Frio. We went in as underdogs because Frio had a week off. 
Uh, and we in one of the all-time great finals, we beat bloody Frio. Yep. And deprived yeah. us. I remember I was so annoyed that night because I really wanted a Frio West Same. Coast. A Derby grand final. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then we beat we beat them and then we went in just with shed loads of confidence uh, against the Eagles. It was really, really hot. Uh, I think it was like 32 degrees or something that day. Mm. Uh, and Cyril just put on a masterclass, and they didn't ta- they didn't tag him, so he was almost like a running free in forward side our forward fifty. Mm. Um, but we had, you know, what we did have we had four unbelievable prelims in a row. In twenty twelve, we beat Port in what was an unbelievable prelim where they nearly ran over us. I don't know if you remember that. They really yeah yeah yeah. They in the last quarter, I was. T- terrified they were going to run over us. And it was a Luke Hodge smother that got us through to the grand final. In 2013, we broke the Geelong curse in the prelim, and that was a Sean Burgoyne goal that won that for us. In 2014, it was the Crows that nearly ran over top of us. No, no you've got that mixed up. That It was the Crows in 2012 and Port in 2014. Oh, Port in 2014. Okay, those. Yep. And then 2015 was us beating Frio uh, over in Perth. And Limo, 2016 was, of course, the Dogs Giants, uh, which was called Game of the Decade by AFL.com.au. 2017 prelims was uh, Cats being thumped by the Crows and uh, Richmond uh, thumping the Giants. So, really, Richmond have just ruined the great run of prelims. Yeah, so <laughs> Richmond. So, your, your current flag favouritism, uh, Tess, I think is totally justified. <laughs> I some of your performances in prelims. So, I still think Richmond will win the flag. Yeah, um, I doubt that. But it would be very 2020 for vote for no Victorian teams to be in it when it's in the worst year of Victoria's history. I'll tell you what, though, four of the remaining six teams are from Victoria, so good on them for living in hubs for the last three months yeah. and, and making it this far. Hey, uh, I reckon we should wrap it up there, guys, because Danny McGinley's got a great chat with Francis Leach and his son Dylan Leach. Uh, that he's has already recorded and we're tacking it on to the end of this podcast. So um, we should hand over to that. And we'll be back for a very special Patreon edition of the podcast uh, on Wednesday as we preview this weekend's finals. Or we might do it Thursday, a little closer to the finals. But we'll preview this weekend's uh, finals, give our tips and bang on with a bit of other rubbish <laughs> for our, uh, our Patreon members. And play, we encourage you to become a Patreon. Oh, uh, yes. If you feel on the love, uh, and to everyone who's listening, thank you. We appreciate it. Uh, give us a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to this podcast, and uh, tell a friend about it as well. Uh, we're not going anywhere. We're going to stick around post footy, so uh, plenty of fun for you to come um, after the yes. footy season as well. Thank you, Danny Beginlay. Thank you, Go VB in the Danish Super League. <laughs> All right. Uh, thank you, Tess Armstrong. Thanks. Go Tigers this weekend. All right, and I'm going to say go pies this weekend as well. Uh, and here it is, Danny McGinley's chat with uh, Francis Leach and Dylan Leach. Well, on Friday night, the Saints and the Tigers will battle it out in, for the first time in a final since 1974. And two men who will be watching it on the edge of their seats, both hoping for the opposite result of each other, uh, two absolute uh, stalwarts of the footy community. Uh, first of all, we have St Kilda fanatic and sports broadcasting legend Francis Leach. Welcome, Francis. Danny, how are you, my friend? 
I'm absolutely terrible, but let's move on. And of course, uh, Francis's son, the president, the dictator, the leader of the Richmond Supporters Club of Queensland, Dylan Leach. Welcome to They Came to Play. Oh, Danny, uh, Francis or Dad, I'm not sure what to call you in this conversation. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here. <laughs> uh, listen to him already. Like he had to run away to a third uh, third world country, a banana republic, to set up his own little dreamland up there. And now, now he's got the epaulets on. He's got the Gaddafi glasses on. I saw him on the telly on Friday, lording it up as the king of Richmond uh, up there in Queensland, living the life. Yeah, um, Dylan, how is uh, Queensland embracing uh, being footy town uh, during this? Is it because my biggest hope is that this strikes a death blow to rugby league as Queensland realizes that we are the superior code? Is that is that coming to fruition? Oh, look, I wish I could say that. Uh, The Broncos still dominate the uh, sporting landscape when it comes to the. uh, overall stories and stuff, but the Lions winning probably helps. I understand in the grand terms of the game in Queensland that the Lions win may have been beneficial on Friday night, but people are starting to talk about footy a bit more. It's, how would I liken it? It's kind of like when State of Origin gets played in Melbourne. People are interested um, and get around it, but I wouldn't say that it's going to leave some sort of uh, football code takeover or something like that. But, like... Having said that, watching Aussie rules in Queensland actually isn't being like a second-class citizen. It's very accessible. There's plenty of local footy clubs, a decent grassroots um, aspect up here, and it, it does get reported. It is quite easy to access. There's no – so if you're in a pub watching it, uh, there's there's not the snide comments and there's no, oh, he's watching gay FL or anything like that. It depends what pub you go to. I think once you work out what pub you turn up to. If you go to the Caxton, um, you might get those comments. But if you go to the Pineapple, you, you'll probably be embraced. I remember going to pubs. That was a thing once, wasn't it? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, I, I was thinking on uh, Saturday night how uh, I probably would have been at somewhere like the Rose Hotel watching the double header, and how absolutely horrible it would have been to watch Collingwood win that surrounded by Collingwood fans. Never a good place to be uh, in the vicinity of Collingwood itself when Collingwood are playing. But uh... No, no. So uh, let's let's go into the Leach's uh, story. Uh, Francis, you've, you've, you're a passionate St Kilda fan. Your son is born. How does he end up going for those filthy Tigers? That's a question only he can ask. He has to live with his conscience and, uh, you know, only guess that he might convert back. Danny, we know uh, that you can do that. <laughs> uh, but in all seriousness, uh, well, I tried my best uh, despite uh, the sense that somehow I just uh, let him run off into the sunset. He grew up uh, with me and his grandmother, who is a mad St Kilda fan, who he loves to death. Uh, and we did what we could. We took him to games, and uh, it was a period of time when the Saints probably weren't at their very best, around 84, 85, last year's of plug a locket. Not 94, 95, I'm not, not that old. Not, 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 <laughs> well, we in 84, 85, I get confused. All the bad years roll, <laughs> roll into themselves. Um, and then this guy called Matthew Richardson started playing for Richmond. Uh, he, he took quite a shine too. And he had an uncle, Stevie, who also was a brilliant insurgent, Brilliant insurgent uh, who was quite uh, quite persistent in getting in his ear about Richmond and the Tigers and and Richo, 
And I think he found his tribe. I, I don't begrudge him. I think he's, you know, I just think sometimes you're born into a tribe beyond your family. Dylan, to me, is Richmond. He's a Richmond guy. Everything about him screams Richmond. So, you know, you've got to be who you are. And I, I'm quite comfortable with the fact that he betrayed me. And despite my attempts, and I, I took him into the rooms. I remember once taking him into the rooms uh, after a St Kilda game and, you know, going to see some of the players I knew at the time and Stewie Lowe going up to him and saying, Dylan, you're still not bragging for the Saints? And he goes, no, nah, I love Richmond. And he just looked at me, Stewie, and said, you've lost him and turned away in disgust. And I don't <laughs> think he's ever figured me since. And that was it. I just went, oh, you just got to be yourself. Dylan, is that an accurate portrayal of, of, of events? Would you like the right of reply? Look, I think that's a fair assumption. Uh, this is probably how I see it. And I obviously was younger at the time. So, yeah, it was probably around 1994, 95 when I just started school. And St Kilda were no good. Um, and Richmond literally, Richmond was actually on the up back then. Well, it just had like that brief period of being on the up because uh, 94 was an exciting season. And then 95, they made the finals and, you know, Richmond was more fun to watch and, yes, had the better players. I actually think my favourite player to begin with was actually Tony Free, not Richo, if I remember, if I recall. Um, and, yeah, I was like, nope, this is my team. And uh, for a good part there, I was uh, stuck with my choices, but I feel incredibly vindicated with my choices given recent events. Uh, 94, I believe. Uh, now, uh, Dylan, we should plug your your other podcast, ah, which yes. uh, I think uh, both Tess and I have been on the, uh, f- uh, what is it, Australian Football Video Film Festival? That's the one, yes. Now, and 94, uh, for those who don't know, what, there is a Richmond uh, video that year. What was it? Uh, the uh, yeah, Trident it was, Tigers? It was, no, it was uh, 1994 was a video called Tigers on the Prowl, and uh, that was the first year of the final eight. And you'll never guess what position Richmond finished that year. <laughs> and oh, you would have uh, surely top four here. No, we, we finished ninth. And um, <laughs> yeah, that must they, have been an absolute blockbuster big seller at the old ninth finish. They, they actually released a video about it because I think that was probably Richmond's best finish to a season in years. Um, and, th- and they missed the finals, as was going to be the case for the next, well, there was a good what, decade of that happening. Fantastic and, um, decade. Uh, yeah, it was it was very good for the football comedy industry. I, I, I am aware of the, uh, the the Pilbara that it was, um, but uh, yeah, that there was that video, and uh, then '95 we made the finals, and uh, remember going to the semi final against Essendon, which for a lot of Richmond fans was the only good day they ever had at the football up until 2017. Um, I actually went to that with my mother. That was one of the rare games I went to with my mum, and I, I, I reckon the yeah, '95 probably sealed the deal that uh, the Tigers were my team and uh, I, I, I suffered a lot of pain for my choices. But as I say, it's paid off. Dylan, do you have any loyalty to uh, other teams that Francis has no doubt uh, indoctrinated you in? Are you an Arsenal fan? No, not really. <laughs> <laughs> they just rejected everything I care about. Francis, you now work, you're, you're working for the unions, is that right? That's right. I work at the ACTU. So um, at least we have that in so I assume. <laughs> so I assume, Dylan, you're, you've joined the LNP? <laughs> yeah, I actually work for a HR think tank about flexibility and uh, in the workplace <laughs> and how we need to cut more red tape. No, <laughs> no, no, I don't. I'm on board with the union movement. Fair enough. Excellent, excellent. Uh, so, uh, 
what's the plan for Friday night? Will you guys, uh, you know, I, I, you're, you're, Dylan, you obviously live in uh, Brisbane. Francis will be in Melbourne. Will you have a Zoom chat while you watch the game? Will he, oh, there no, be textual contact? I'm cutting up all diplomatic relations. I'm recalling my ambassador and I'm not talking to him for the rest of the week. This is it. <laughs> And how long is the grace period after after the match that okay. there can ten be ten conversations? Minutes after, ten minutes after they beat us, I'll be able to pick up the phone and wish him luck. No, I'm really, I'm really um, quite excited about Friday. Friday, and I think we'll struggle, particularly with all the uh, the injuries, the uh, suspensions, and also Jake uh, Carlisle having to leave because his partner's having their third child. It's sort of stacking up against us. But um, I don't begrudge Dylan his success because I know how hard he's worked for it. I was lucky enough to see him uh, the night that they qualified for the. 2017 uh, grand final that went over GWS and be there with him and his friends who are still Richmond fans who've been to every game they've ever got that's ever been played by the Tigers in the last 20 years. So yeah, they they deserve all the success they get, and they're run, a great club run by brilliant people. So I don't I don't take it that personally. That will hurt for a little while if and when they beat us. So you, you've locked it in. You, you think Tigers are an absolute lock? I think we'll I think we'll find it tough given the lack of personnel, and they are a really good finals team. But you know. Um, as the West Coast Eagles found out on on Saturday night, presumption is a dangerous thing, isn't it? So, yeah, you know, I'll be there hoping, but I think it's going to be tough. Dylan, if, if the Saints do upset the Tigers, how long will it be before you can uh, pick up the phone and wish your dad well? Oh, look, I've probably got the half-hour rule. Uh, I, I wouldn't touch my phone for the good part of an hour. Maybe an hour. Maybe an hour. I wouldn't look at my phone for the good part of an hour after the game. Uh, it's not necessarily hearing from... Uh, the old man, but uh, the notifications on social and all the other things that uh, should Richmond go down, we'll probably see a lot of people uh, basking in glee because uh, we have become the hated club, which we've always wanted to be, but I don't need to see it. Um, but <laughs> I, I, I am, I, I consider myself actually fairly diplomatic, um, but I, I, I'm hopefully uh, on the phone. I, I don't mean to sound like the don't mean to sound like uh, being mean to Melbourne people, but hopefully I'm on the phone booking flights straight away to get to Adelaide for the preliminary final because I can. It's a bubble. I'll be on the phone and just I'll be saying this to him. I am the father. <laughs> <laughs> Look, if they're, if they're, and I'm going to sound very diplomatic and, and, and sentimental, if there's another team I want to win a premiership, it's St Kilda. And I mean that in all. I mean that in all sincerity, because um, I've seen you after the '97. I don't need to list those years for you, but I've seen you after grand finals. I've seen what the week is like in the lead up to it. You does if there's one team that needs to do it, it's the Saints, and, and we all felt the same way about the Bulldogs in 2016, Danny. So um, I, I can appreciate the Cinderella story. Yeah, yeah, it would be it would be a lot of tears of joy uh, and just and well, Francis. I mean, how would you feel? Saints make the grand final uh, and they win, but you, you know, of course, it's the grand final that you can't be there. I don't care. I couldn't give a fig. They could play it on Mars. If we won it on Mars, I wouldn't care. Just just get the hands on the bloody cup, roll the credits, and get out of there. I just let's <laughs> you, you, don't care. If you're that keen, get to Darwin tomorrow, give yourself a couple of weeks quarantine and you'll be there on grand final day. It's that easy, mate. 
it's that easy. You know, it's spoken like a, a true veteran of such schemes. He's the Tigers. Francis, one last question before we finish up. This is a, a cruel question from Lemo. How much do you uh, hate that in the only photo of a premiership captain of St Kilda holding the cup aloft, he's wearing a Collingwood jumper? Yeah, that's a bit maddening. Um, and, <laughs> well, can't we just Photoshop the St Kilda jumper, Doc's jumper on him and just, just be done with it? No, it drives Surely me nuts. someone's done that. Surely. Wasn't that, wasn't that the most ridiculous tradition of all time to swap jumpers after that? What a ridiculous tradition that was. When was the last time it happened, I wonder? I'll well, have to look that up. I think you could look back to at least 1979 and there were Carlton players wearing Collingwood jumpers running around after that. I don't think much after that it was done. I think um, I think it probably had to do with sponsor logos. By the time sponsor logos kicked in, they weren't well, having it. Well, now they've got the crappy T-shirts before the sirens even sounded. The players have to whack those on for a bit, don't they? Or the hats, the sponsor's yeah. hats. Yeah, they've got, they got to wear the hats. That's right. Everything's oh, all these days, Danny. <laughs> well, I don't remember the Bulldogs players having T-shirts or hats, but I'm I'm pretty sure that's because no one thought we would win it. <laughs> <laughs> I think they give I think they give a hat to the Auskit kids as they present the medal. That's what happens now. Yeah. I don't think that'll happen this year somehow with COVID. <laughs> yeah, it'll be it'll be a Hello. very different kind of uh, post-match presentation. You would assume there'll be kids. They they get a medal and uh, and a and a Q-tip up the nose. That's it. The kids, rather than little league kits, the kids will be in hazmat suits handing out the medals. It'll be beautiful. (laughs) Well, gents, uh, it'll be a very emotional night on Friday. And, uh, well, quite quite frankly, I think both your clubs are cesspits of scum and villainy, and I hope you both (laughs) lose. But uh, I hope you enjoy the match. Thank you, Danny. Good luck, Dylan. Good luck, uh, Dad or Francis, depending on which context I'm talking to you in. I think calling him dad, it's the romantic uh, family story there. (laughs) Thanks for joining us on They Came to Play. Thank Thank you, Danny. Danny.